Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Captain Hunter's Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this is going to be a real, real quick and brief one. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for your love and for your support. Thank you so much. So as the title of this episode is, uh, real briefly, it's just about uh, my problems with the Second Amendment. Um, and so let me just start off with saying that uh, I'm all for people being able to defend themselves uh, from tyranny, from uh, oppression, from uh, th their evil to do uh, neighbors and all that kind of stuff. I have no issues or problems with that. So I'm going to talk about a number of things here. And so um, one of the first things I want to talk about is this uh, seeming obsession that this country has with guns. Um, again, I'm not one of those people who doesn't believe that uh, guns aren't necessary. Uh, guns, guns, and I'm going to give some really, really contradictory statements, and I, I know that I'm going to give it. So uh, just bear with me because I really do have two perspectives about this. Uh, I am one of those people. Let me just start off by saying this and kind of retract what I said before. I am one of those people who does not like guns and, and does not believe that any modern society or civil society should possess guns. Having said that, uh, I'm all for the Second Amendment when it comes to if everybody should have a gun, then everybody should have a gun. Now, this may seem contradictory, and I'll try to explain what I mean uh, by that in a second. I would like I would love to live in a society where wherein gun guns are obsolete. Uh, guns are only used um, as a last method or a last resort uh, to, to ward off invaders and intruders. And those would be from foreign countries and or uh, those uh, who would seek to do your family or your neighborhood community harm. So I'm all for all, all that kind of stuff. So um, Texas uh, are, is now going to a constitutional type of uh, uh, situation uh, wherein they are no longer requiring persons to get permits in order to carry guns. And I, I was under the impression that if you had a concealed carry um, uh, in Texas that you had to have a permit, I think that that is still the case. Whereas in 2015, according to my research in 2015, they said you can open openly, just walk down the street and carry as long as it was on your hip and exposed so everyone could see it. Um, so they want to change that. And now they don't want to get the permits for concealed carry permits from the outside. They say you have a United States constitutional right to bear arms. So why are we asking people to get gun permits? I'll get into that in a second here. So, um, and so uh, here's, a, and, and what I did not know, I was shocking to find out, shocked to find out, is that, uh, let's see here, in this article that I'm reading, um, proponents of what Republicans call constitutional carry argue that Texas should follow the lead of at least 20 other states with similar laws on the books. And meanwhile, gun control advocates are sounding the alarm about making it easier to carry firearms after repeated instances of gun violence, including 2019's massacre in El Paso and Midland, Odessa, that left 30 people dead. And this is from the Texas Tribune, uh, May 24th, uh, by Sammy Sparber. So... People are always going to be on the left and the right. And the reason I wanted to um, talk about this is because I was watching a little bit of YouTube last night, trying to catch up on the news. And I saw that um, that there was a debate about that people had about whether we whether this law in particular should go through some proponents for it, some people against it. And of course, they wanted to have the, the, the show that I was watching wanted to have someone from law enforcement on the show, but they were having technical difficulties and were not able to get the law enforcement perspective. So essentially what the law enforcement perspective was going to give 
their, their perspective was going to be is going to make it harder for law enforcement officers to do their job. I completely disagree with that. <laughs> I completely disagree with that. Police officers are already trained. Every police officer is trained that every single person that you come in contact with is already armed. Period. Point blank. Stop. I was a, I was a trainer. I, I know this. Um, of course, I don't know what they're t what they're telling people in Texas or in Oregon or in California. I was in Connecticut, but I told every single person that you that you come in contact with that they are armed, that they are armed. So that is the mindset that we have, and that is the mindset that the officers should have, because this country is is inundated with with people who are carrying firearms. And now we got more people who won't have to. And 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 the question is really what about more people? I mean, it really just probably just. This whole thing is just going to be a big revenue bust for uh, for for uh, Texas. They're just going to lose revenue, right? And those people who are giving uh, per pistol permit classes are not going to lose that revenue. It's going to be a source of revenue that they're not going to have. That's going to be the only thing that's going to change. Now you got people who probably didn't want to go through the process of getting permits. Now just strapping something onto their hip with no training uh, and without having to uh, go through any type of red tape, legalese red tape, in order to get this to, to walk down the street. So that's that's going to be the, the that. Is it going to turn uh, Texas into the wild, wild west? I don't think that's going to be the case because I think that the cases, people are already committing crimes. Are, felons are already running around shooting people. You know, accidents are already happening. So I don't know if that's going to, to see anything else. According to the research that I did, when these types of measures were tried before in the 1920s, they did actually see an uptick. You know, the more uh, permits and legal uh, uh, loopholes that people tried to or legal uh, obstacles that they tried to put in people's way, uh, it, it didn't stop the violence, didn't stop the accidents, didn't stop parents from shooting their children accidentally children shooting their parents or their siblings accidentally didn't stop any of that so it's not don't expect that this to stop it especially if there's more and i'm putting this up in the quotation mark that there's going to be more out there so from the law enforcement perspective i don't see any change in this officers are still going to approach people um and some of the measures in this law uh, for texas is uh whether officers can ask people if they if they, they have a permit to carry or whatever, or, or, or are they legally um, allowed to legally carry, right? Are they the subject of a protective order? Have they been, been in a mental institute and things like that? So I think that that's something we probably want our officers asking people, uh, particularly when and if uh, they're, they're involved in some type of situation wherein the officer would have a reason to go up there and talk to them. But just walking down the street, a police officer sees someone, it's my understanding, uh, that they see someone with a gun on their head, that the officer cannot go up to that person and ask him, are they legally uh, allowed to carry that particular weapon? So we'll take from that what you will. So let me just talk a little bit about uh, my issues and problems uh, with um, permits in the first place. Now, I mentioned before that um, as a um, as a police officer, you know, I was, uh, from the age of 22, I've been around guns uh, my whole life. And I believe I, I've read Robert F. Williams book about the, about Negroes with guns and, and self-defense and, and all that type of thing. Anyone who's um, uh, uh, listened to the show, I know that I had a black man with a gun on a couple of times uh, and he had given his perspective, which uh, a lot of it I agree with. Um, read the books that he's uh, suggested uh, and um, it really really should be very very mindful about what's going on with this but let me just talk just a little bit about the history of um, uh, 
the Second Amendment. And here's the here's the major problem that I have. The Second Amendment was not meant for us. Full stop. And by us, I mean any minority person, any non-white. And by white, I mean Anglo-white. I mean German white. Those were the those persons who came here from those particular countries uh, who came to the United States were considered white. If you were Italian or South uh, uh, um, European or something along or Eastern European, you were not considered white. You were considered uh, um, you were considered uh, trouble um, and prone to criminality and all the type of things that they say about immigrants today. So that that's the legacy and the history of, of that. So the couple of articles, I mean, you can guys can Google this stuff and I'm just going to read a couple of things. This is a, a, a paper. Um, the discriminatory history of gun control by David Babbitt from the University of Rhode Island. Uh, you guys can just Google around for this type of thing. Uh, it's a well-researched paper. I'm assuming that he did it for some type of class and he just released it and published it on the internet. Here's another article from The Atlantic, uh, The Secret uh, History of Guns, talk about the Ku Klux Klan, Ronald Reagan. Uh, it just goes through, uh, you know, where all this type of thing uh, comes from. And then here's another uh, uh, Sedgwick County, uh, the racist origins of the United States gun control laws designed to disarm slaves, freedmen and African-Americans by Stephen Wall. Uh, so these are just some of the things that you guys can read. There's plenty and plenty and tons of plethora of, of information out there, all stating that this this idea of permits that we have today that was not always something that permits, licenses, call them what you want, um, was not something that was always in effect. And they only evolved to control and suppress black people, free uh, black people in the United States and, of course, slaves. Slaves weren't allowed to own guns. I mean, that, that was just a no brainer. But how do you stop free Negroes uh, from owning guns? You had to uh, create these laws and black codes uh, and, and to intentionally segregate them and keep them from, from owning guns. And there were court cases and laws, court cases in particular, uh, that said that African-Americans or Negroes were never intended to be citizens. And so therefore, uh, because because of this, um, uh, because they were never intended to be citizens, they, can, they should not be allowed to carry guns. Numerous laws about this, uh, uh, numerous court cases about this. Um, so, so our history here in the United States is, is one of a very, very uh, painful past. You fast forward to the to the 1910s, 1920s. There's an influx of immigrant of immigrants to the United States. Italians, South America, South uh, um, Europeans, Southern Europeans, uh, Eastern Europeans. Many of them come to the United States, and all these people are white citizens. They want to protect themselves as well, and so they wanted to get guns as well, right? So they were uh, buying uh, uh, guns. Um, and so what the uh, police officers were doing was started rounding up these Italian Americans in particular. Uh, in fact, in some census information and some uh, uh, police records information reveals that 70% of those arrested for guns held, had an Italian last name, Italian sounding or Italian last name surname. Um, so this tells you who they were targeting uh, for these types of, of, of uh, enforcement activities. And so eventually um, they, they wanted to institute permits, licenses. Um, so people, uh, African-Americans at one, one time were serving in different military branches. So in order for them to have guns, they had to go to the local police station. And if they were in the military, then they could carry a gun, but no one else could get one. So police stations started issuing permits slowly in different states. 
uh, along the way to control and understand who could have guns. Um, but before all this, right, because you couldn't just strictly say uh, black people, eventually through the process of time and agitation and, and, and all that, African-Americans uh, wanted the same rights as, as everyone else. And so you couldn't. So they would not just say we, we're going to stop owning or, or allowing black people to, to own guns as they did in the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s. Now we're fast forwarding, you know, post Civil War times, eight, the 1880s, uh, 1890s, and then turn of the century and all that. This is the time period I'm talking about. So you can't just explicitly say it. So now they have to do it through uh, surreptitious uh, means, uh, make you people go to police departments. Of course, those are run by a bunch of racists, so they uh, can be selective as to who they give the, the gun permits to. Right. So that, and remember, all this is time and this is the Second Amendment. Right. <laughs> so 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 Second Amendment is being thrown out the window in, in establishing the need for permits. Then we get to the 1860s um, and then I'm um, excuse me, to the 1960s. We get the Black Panthers uh, and cheaper guns. Um, and so they got to Saturday Night Specials and all this can, can be read in these different articles. Um, and so different laws and different measures were, were, were placed and put into effect in order to control who had access to guns. And we did not want people uh, having access to guns. We did not want people defending themselves. What the, the, the intent was to keep a certain group of individuals meek and weak, right? From the slaves to free Negroes in the uh, pre-colonial and then uh, colonial times. And then, of course, then we get to uh, uh, the 1860s around the antebellum civil war times, post-civil war, uh, the KKK has guns. Uh, they want to keep the, the southern uh, Negroes docile, so they have guns, but you take them away from everyone else and all that. So now you get to, uh, again, the 1960s, um, abuses are running rampant and the African-Americans want to defend themselves. All this time, uh, again, this is uh, the model or the mindset of uh, of keeping uh, guns out of uh, free people's hands, uh, free people by uh, in the lower class citizens' hands. So we get to Texas and we get to all this information here, um, and we get to Texas and the Times Recorder, Times Record. I want to read a little bit about this here for a second here. Um, so that that's just a little brief history here. And I want to swing back around to um, what this uh, what the Wichita Wichita uh, Falls Police Department and what they're saying about this law. Um, they issued a statement um, saying the department is confident that the HB 1927 uh, will not have the negative impact on the safety of our citizens should any law and law-abiding citizens choose to open carry. However, we encourage those who choose to carry a handgun receive training on the use of their weapon. The training should not be li limited to developing the physical skills to fire a handgun, but should also include instruction on the legal standards that relegate the use of force and deadly force. Uh, the county sheriff there, uh, guy's name is David Duke. Wow, okay. <laughs> sheriff David Duke, I think it's going to cause some obstacles where, where uh, some people are going to strap on a gun and then never shot one or learned the proper use of a firearm, Duke said. The, th the sheriff has openly advocated the right of citizens to carry firearms, but he doesn't like the open carry provision, which allows residents to carry firearms in plain view. I like to conceal carry better. It's better for people. I saw a man in the store with a 38 strapped on his hip. He had no situational awareness around him about who's walking next to him, who's walking behind him, Duke said. 
uh, that gun can be taken away from him so easily, the sheriff said. I look at people like that and think, what are you thinking that you have to have it on your hip and you're not paying attention? The article goes on, and that's from the Times record. Um, and the name of the article is Texas Gun Carry Law Change Brings Words of Caution from Local Law Enforcement Officials. So that's the law that they want to change to, to um, and, or that actually has already been changed, already signed and all that kind of stuff and going to affect, uh, I believe, September 1st in Texas. Um, again, so let me just give you my stance. From the law enforcement perspective, I agree with what, everything that that sheriff just said. People need training. Uh, they need to have the physical skills. They need to have the, the legal understanding of when, when and if a person can use force. Just my camera here. Uh, when and if people can use force and or deadly force, they need to have they need to have that. Uh, I don't think that people can get around that. Um, so I, I believe in defending yourselves, and particularly for African Americans, when we were stripped of that right, I think that we should be able to defend ourselves from any and all uh, persons, whether it's another uh, Joe Blow up the street who's wants to come in my home and, and take my stuff, whether it's uh, a terrorist organization like the. KKK who wants to keep me subject subjected uh, and keep me in a second class uh, state of citizenship. I think that we should protect ourselves against those types of individuals and groups as well. Um, but I have a problem with the Second Amendment because I know that it wasn't meant for us. And let me just back this statement up once again with a, a book that I read and I highly read that everyone I highly suggest and everyone read. It's a book called Loaded. A Disarming History of the Second Amendment by Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz. She makes the case uh, very uh, adequately, in my in my estimation, um, that the Second Amendment was about clearly sustained about keeping the indigenous population um, and the African population slave and free in subjection. Point by period, full stop. That's what her uh, her thesis is. I agree with that. I think that um, that was the purpose of when you look at the history of who was carrying guns, all white males not only could carry guns, in many cases and instances were required to carry guns because they never knew that when they were going to be mandated to posse up to attack Indians or fight, or fend off Indians, excuse me, Indians, Native Americans, natives, uh, the indigenous population and or to corral the free Negroes and or slave or or up and uh, a slave revolt so for those two reasons uh white males uh were were demanded to carry guns of course free negroes were not allowed to carry guns were not allowed to testify in court and all this kind of crazy stuff of course slaves we all know about that um fast forward again again post-civil war we get these amendments 13 14 15 amendments saying that african-americans are just as much citizens as anyone else and next thing you know uh they want to you can't just make these laws saying that african-americans can't protect themselves uh so you have to make it innocuous so you make police departments um the, the the bad guy uh people have now go to the police department to get a permit so uh, essentially what i'm saying is that the history of these permits and licenses is racist in and of themselves so if we have a constitutional right to bear arms which I've given a history about that, and according to Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz and other scholars, they all are in agreement that this is a racist law, racist history, um, racist constitutional amendment. Why are we still fighting for this? However, if we have it, if if other citizens have it, have the right to carry and bear arms, and I I ought to have the right to bury to, to to carry and bear arms as well. So I hope that I gave a very very. Uh, 
in-depth uh, understanding as to my two positions on it. I want to live in a society, I think we all want to live in a society where they're not necessary. I don't believe that the Second Amendment was about just the right to run around here shooting ducks and geese and just walking around with AKs strapped to your hips or, or even a, a 45 or 38 strapped to your hip or to your uh, waist or, or to your waist or hip or, or to your leg or whatever. I don't believe that. I think it was that was the intention of doing it. The intention of doing it was to control African-Americans. And I would suggest, and I'm just going to put this out there again, what is this fascination that we have with these with these types of laws? Who's passing these types of laws? Most, um, again, I was an instructor, um, I was an NRA instructor, actually still am an NRA uh, instructor. Um, why? Are all these laws going on? Why? What? What's the purpose? What are pe people bringing up these laws for? So you can just walk down the street without doing this. Is it to get rid of the? Um, is it to get rid of the the mandate for? Uh, for revenue? Is is it? Let's eliminate revenue and let's make sure that that poorer people can get access to weapons. Uh, I can actually get with that. I I really can. I think that everyone should have the right to bear arms, and we shouldn't have to jump through these extra hoops to, in order to get them. If we if we are, are are saying that. So, but I also question why we why this is going on. I do think that there's a little racist element to it that we want to make sure that we have enough guns to overtake anyone who's going to try to overtake us. Mentality thing going on there. I, I really am curious about that. Um, I'm very curious as to why all these laws are, are, are popping off in the first place and why people think that they just need to just need to be strapped at all times. Uh, just just a very curious thing. Now, I'm strapped at all times because other people are strapped at all times. So if other people are going to be strapped, I'm going to be strapped as well. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. So it's really... So, so I'm asking the question, do we need the Second Amendment? Let me know what your thoughts and comments are. Do we really need the Second Amendment? Uh, should, it, listen, it's an intractable problem here in the United States. It's not going anywhere. You try to take people's guns, either they're either going to fight you uh, or they're not going to give them all up. Uh, it's going to leave the weak people even weaker. It's going to le leave the law-abiding citizen uh, less capable of defending themselves, less able of uh, defending themselves. Um, and I think that that's really, really problematic really really problematic and um, from a law enforcement perspective all law enforcement are trained to uh believe that people are armed i don't see that, that going up or going up in, or going anywhere it may cause people on the road to become more defiant so you're not taking my gun you know and all that so uh last point here i started to go down this road here of of people who um uh, of the training that people get one of the things that uh the people are very, very much uh, trained not to do. And I did, once again, I was an NRA instructor. Um, uh, they're, they're instructed actually not to go and intervene in people's lives. Uh, so you see something going on, an active shooter and all that kind of stuff. And you, you can be instructed not to do that, not not to help out. Um, when I gave up my um, police uh, officer status, uh, retired, they said, if I see something going on, just kind of call us. And don't try to take the matters into your own hands. So that mandate is often not there from retired officers, uh, and um, and it's often, um, I would assume, uh, given to red, regular ordinary citizens. Because if you have a bad shoot, uh, if you shoot at someone and you miss them and shoot your target and all that, you don't have qualified immunity. You don't have, um, you, know, you know, there may be some type of Good Samaritan statute that that you may be may be able to hide behind, um, but 
you're really taking your your life and your financial uh, security and freedom into your own hands, into your your physical freedom as well. You may even be arrested. So many times, um, this is this is actively discouraged from experts and police uh, and law enforcement in and of itself. So this idea that the good guy with the gun is going to go around shooting people, uh, we've seen people who have been arrested, shot wrong in, in case of African Americans, shot shot the wrong person. Um, and I believe it was in a mall shooting that 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 happened. So this idea of taking the law into your own hands, the idea of uh, being there uh, and 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 uh, helping your citizen, particularly in 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 mass shooting events, is is just not the case and not not the reality. So what is again? I'm asking the question: What is the purpose behind all these guns, gun laws? Um, uh, it's very, very curious to me that this continues to be a problem, that people continue to try to push this. Uh, uh, no one's trying to take your gun away. This this fascination with it, that people are going to take your gun and come come get you in the middle of the night and confiscate your weapons. is I, I, I can't see that being reality. And it's really, really disconcerting that people really continue to push these types of laws. There's so much more that we should be doing in this country. And, and this is and this is one of the things that that these states are doing and 20 other states and Texas of all states is following 20 other states uh, with laws like that. So, very, very curious. Um, so let me know your thoughts, your opinions, uh, whether I'm whether I'm spot on, whether I'm wrong. Uh, what's your thoughts in the Second Amendment? Should we have it? Should we get rid of it? Should we uh, should permits be necessary and allowed? Uh, what do you what do you think? OK, everyone, much love and peace. Make sure you subscribe, subscribe and share Captain Hunter's podcast. Police reform is more than just a trending topic. My name is Lawrence Hunter. I'm a retired police captain from the state of Connecticut, and I've written a new book called Police Reform. And I talk about the evolution of law enforcement here in America and what changes need to be made in order to improve the relationship between the police and the communities that they serve. Over the past few months, it has become increasingly more important and more evident that there's something amiss and awry between the police and the communities that they serve. So whether you're about defunding the police or defending the police, if you're about Blue Lives Matter or Black Lives Matter, no matter what side of the fence you happen to sit on, make sure that you pick up your copy of Police Reform today.